Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good evening, everybody. Good to see everyone tonight on this first Wednesday. Thanks for joining us and being a part of this. My name is Pastor JF part of the team here, and just want to thank you for coming out on this Wednesday night. You could be doing a whole lot of other things, but you decided to give your, your first fruits, really, uh, to God tonight. And really, you're, what does that mean? Well, you know, in the ancient world, um, right during harvest season, the farmers would literally, before they start hacking away at their wheat or their vineyards, and selling it off or anything like that. They would literally go through their fields and they would find the very best, whether that was grapes or whatever they were harvesting, and they would, they would cut that out first. They would take that out and they would literally take that to the temple and offer it to God. And so it's, it's this picture of beginning the month out, the very first Wednesday, bringing your best to him through worship and and, and through your giving and through um, time, talent, and, and uh, treasure. That's what it's all about. And so thank you for being here. We're going to keep continuing to do this, and, and we're just excited about that. Hey, um, you know, I can remember um, the very first time I really fell in love with music. Do you need music buffs out there? You like music a lot? Yeah, I can remember being a kid and uh, getting a taste of music and really falling in love with it. And specifically, though, I can remember being 14 years old and I can remember being on the ski bus headed up to Crystal Mountain to go skiing with all of my best friends. And I'll never forget, I was 15 years old, and one of my best friends, Blue Brayton, he uh, showed me uh, this band on his little uh, CD disc player and headphones. You know, back in the day, we would share, you'd, hey, you hold this year and I'll hold. So we'd sit and we'd listen to music. And he said, man, you got to hear this band. You're going to love it. And I was like, okay. So I listened to it, and it was the very first time I ever heard the Joshua Tree album. I think I got a picture of the band right there. These guys, yeah, you too. I can remember being 15 years old. My best bud said, you got to hear these guys. And, and I'll never, I can, let, I can go there right now. Like, I'm on the bus right now. Now, I'm 15 years old, we're drinking Mountain Dew and eating Doritos and get, I mean, just, you know what I'm talking about? And we're listening to, to Josh, I mean, you know, just blew my mind, I want to run, you know what I mean? I want to run, I don't even know the lyrics anymore, but, but I just, I, and I was like, and specifically Bono, the lead, lead singer, I just was like mesmerized by Bono. I mean, the talent just, just sucked me in. It's like when he would sing, it just, I just felt something. And I'll never forget that was the moment where I said, you know what? I'm going to do that the rest of my life. I wasn't even really like a musician or a singer or anything. But I decided that's what I was going to do. And so I got home and for the next, I don't know, 25 years. No, I'm kidding. Um, for, for a long, long time, I used to listen to that dude. I used to uh, um, dress like him. I used to listen to every interview he was in. I would read every lyric he ever wrote. I would stand in the mirror and I'd play and I'd try to sing like him. I'd try, I'd try to like, like hold a microphone, like you know what I'm talking about? And I would just copy everything, you know? And, and really, no joke, it actually led me into the ministry. It's crazy because I got into ministry 
through leading worship. I, I actually got into a, a worship team and I discovered that I had a little bit of talent in that area. And I, it was like, this is, this, is, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And it was all because of a dude named Bono. And I found out that he actually got into music as a worship leader in Ireland. And it was just really cool. So I, I connected there. I was like, okay, this is great. He's like the biggest rock star in the world. And he started out by doing praise and worship music. That's what I'm going to do. And so I just kind of set off on this path of doing that. And, and I was honored to get to do a lot of stuff through music and everything. But I used to dream about getting a phone call from him. It's weird. I used to just kind of think about how awesome it would be to get a phone call from Bono, you know? And I, I would play it out in my head. And the reason why he was calling was to see if I wanted to be his co-front man in the band. You know what I mean? So I'd play it out in my head. It was like, hey, uh, is this JF? I'm like, yeah, this is Bono from U2, you know? And I'm like, no way, I knew you'd call. You know, like, I'd, I'd have these thoughts. And then, I'd, and then I would just wait for him, you know, you know and we, you know, we just want to extend an invitation. It's never been done in the history of bands, but we need a, we need a co-front man. I want you to have just as much influence and power as I have in this band and you and I will stand in front of thousands every single night and we'll just sing all these songs together. And I can remember like playing that stupid thought out in my head and just like going, yes, it's going to happen. I'm just really excited about that. And what, wouldn't that be awesome? Just out, out there with Bono, you know what I mean? And I would think about this. But how many of you know that he still hasn't called me yet? I still haven't gotten that call. I'm just, I'm holding out for it. I, I still feel like it just might happen. But man... I'm still following that dude today. Any new thing that comes out, I've got to hear the song. And I'm always checking GQ to see what he's wearing. You know what I mean? Like, like he's just always kind of had that on me. But you know what? He still hasn't called me. That's frustrating. It hurts. Why do you say all that, JF? Why, why are you telling this stupid... I, we came out to hear this tonight. I, I just want to be very specific because... There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Good Shepherd. And I want you to know tonight that he is, he is calling his followers. He, 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 is, he, is, he is running. He's, he's, he's saying, come to me. Come to me, my disciples. I, I, want, you to, I want you to look like me. I want you to talk like me. I don't think he's saying I want you to dress like me, but he, he's saying, see, I, I want you. I want you to represent me. I want you to be the front man in my band. This is who Jesus is. And, 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 and the very fact that you're here tonight is because you want more of him. You want to experience more of him. You want, to, you want to be a true disciple, a true follower. And how many of you know true followers and true disciples sell out for whoever they're following? When I was a kid, for me, it was Bono. For you, it was maybe somebody else. But man, I can remember too, when I met Jesus for the first time, and many of you can too, where you just sold out for him. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you just for the next couple of minutes tonight about, about the very fact that he's, Jesus is calling out to his followers. He's, he's seeking out his true disciples. And I, and I want to talk about 
discipleship. We'll do a, se- a whole series on discipleship down the road, but I want to talk a little bit about discipleship tonight, what it, what it looks like to really be a true follower, to really be all in, right, when he calls us. So i got a couple of thoughts here, a couple important areas of, of, of what it looks like to be a true disciple of Jesus. And the first one is this, write this down, the surrendering. The surrendering. How many of you know if, if, I got, if I'm driving home tonight and Bono calls me and says, I want you to join the band, I am surrendering everything to join. I'm going to leave you guys. It's just going to happen, all right? I'm telling you. I'm t- and and here, here's the thing about following Jesus. The requirement is for us to surrender everything that we have. And not only out of obligation, but a want to. He wants you to lay it all at his feet cheerfully and say, you know what? I've tried it on my own for far too long. I've screwed up too much. I am laying my will. I'm laying, laying all of everything at your feet cheerfully and saying, Jesus, I want to truly follow you. And it's the first step. It's, it's full surrendering. And one of the goals, we're in the series better. One of the goals of getting better and better at surrounding, uh, at surrendering is this process of every day. Like Paul said, I die to myself daily. It's an everyday thing. That's how we get better at being his follower. It's in the surrendering process. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. That's kind of where I'm going to sit for a second here. Matthew chapter 4, Verses 18 through 22. This is, the, this is Matthew's account of the first disciples being called. And this is what it says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Verse 20. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately, say that word, immediately. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The question is, how and why were they immediately so willing to drop everything that they were doing, their their work, to follow someone that they didn't personally probably even know? And really the answer lies in how they understood what Jesus was actually offering them. You see, from childhood on in the ancient world, the entire goal of that culture was to have a rabbi be willing to disciple you. So as a, as a little guy or a little girl, like that was, that was the pursuit. And your families, that's what they wanted for your life. And, and so you, you would literally, so in your, in your studies, in your theology, in your training, it was all in the pursuit to hopefully, here it is, 
be chosen by a local pastor, if you will. And it was so much greater than, than in our context, in that context, to, to, to be chosen by a local rabbi, to be one of his disciples, was the greatest opportunity one could ever have. And here's the thing. Some of these young ones would go through all the rigorous training. They would do everything, pass all the exams, get to the very end, and they wouldn't be chosen. In fact, it happened most of the time. Most of the time. And so what did all these other kids have to do who weren't chosen? They had to go back to the family business. They weren't chosen. They weren't good enough. They weren't called on. And so what they do? Well, my dad was a fisherman. Looks like that's what I'm going to be doing. And so these young men, they go back and they help their dad in the family trade. They hadn't been chosen. So when these guys are chosen by this rabbi who the word's been getting out all over Judea of who this guy was, when he said, I choose you, it didn't take very long for them to say, peace out, dad. I'm gone. Boom. Right? Because they had, they, had, they had hit the jackpot. Do you remember when uh, American Idol first started? Do you remember? And like Simon Cowell would be like, yes, I choose you. And like they would, ah, they'd just like freak out on stage. And we were all like, yeah, you know, like just going crazy. Like literally, that, that's the feeling that every young person would have felt who would have been chosen by a rabbi. And that's exactly that's exactly what's happening, happening right here with these young men. You see, Jesus was looking at them and saying, you know what? You can look like me. You can know me. You can be as good as me. I can train you. But the requirement is you surrender it all to me. And they understood this. And that's exactly what takes place here. He says it like this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It says, Then he, being Jesus, said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily in following me. It's that process of choosing God's will over ours, his priorities over our selfish desires. It's building his kingdom and not ours. This is the process of fully surrendering everything that we have over to Jesus. It's really the first step in being a true disciple. And if we can get this first and foremost, we're off and running. Here, here's the second uh, thought on what it looks like to be a true disciple, and that is, write this down, the source. The source. Who did Jesus say we were to follow? He said, follow me. Follow him. You know, I've heard a lot of uh, scriptures used a lot of different ways. Sometimes taken out of context. Sometimes taught in a way that I didn't truly understand. Sometimes um, the, the, uh, in the Jewish culture, how they talk about how the Torah has 70 different faces, meaning the, the text is, can be interpreted in so many different ways. And so how you interpret the scripture makes a whole uh, is, is very, very important. And there's this passage of Scripture, maybe you've read it too, in Revelation 
chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. We're talking about the source, the source. I'm going to read it, and maybe you'll be a little bit familiar with it. This is what it says. This is John writing, by the way. He says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. Now watch this. Maybe you'll recognize this part. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Have you read that before anywhere? You read that before. I'm a, I, because you're not hot and you're not cold, but you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. And I, and I used to, I've heard it even taught. I, I used to interpret that like, he wants us to be on fire for him. Just totally, you know, and that I can remember being like, so who wants to be hot? I do, you know. And we're like, yeah, you know. We don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to walk the fence leaning on this, you know. And, I, and I've heard all that. And, okay, okay. But, but, but when I was really got down to studying this, why would God ever want us to be either hot or cold in our relationship with him? And you have to contextualize this passage of Scripture, understand what's really being said here to fully grasp the principle that John's trying to teach us here. There was uh, no natural source of water in Laodicea, that city. No water. And so, so the city would have to import their water from two different cities on either side of Laodicea. The one city was Heropolis, and uh, Heropolis had a natural hot spring. It was just super hot. And then the other city on the other side of Laodicea was Colossae, and Colossae had a natural cool spring. It was just like ice cold water. And so on either side of this city of Laodicea, in Heropolis, there's the hot spring. It was like hot tub, steam, the whole thing, right? And the other city, way down, you know, miles and miles away, had a natural cool spring. Here, here's where it got tricky. When Laodicea would import the water, by the time the water would get to the city, it was what? It was lukewarm. By the time the hot, steamy, ooh, get in there, that feels good. Ooh, we can cook with this because it's real hot. We'd get there. It was already lukewarm. The cold water and travel, it would show up lukewarm. You see, they got the water, but they never got to experience the water and the way it was supposed to be from the original source. You're like, what are, you, what are you talking about here? There's times in our lives as followers of Jesus where if we're not careful, and I've fallen victim of this so many times, we get a watered-down version of Jesus. We, we are drinking from a secondary or a third source that isn't Him. What are you talking about, Jeff? There's been so many times in my life where maybe I'm going through something, and maybe it's uh, whatever topic in my, in my walk with Jesus, whatever it is, and 
I go right to YouTube to hear what Bishop Jakes has to say about it. Or, or I pick up a book and I read what the latest author has to say about that. Or I call one of my mentors or an elder in our church or, or my pastor who's my father and I say, Dad, or, or whoever it is, Elder Carl, how do you? And I do all of this stuff. And, and what happens is I get a watered down version of Jesus. Not that any of that stuff's bad, but there's times in my life where I don't go directly to the source and I go around it and I end up here and there and back again and I never took time to first approach him, the original source, through prayer and studying his word. And if you're not careful, you can miss tasting from the original source. And, that, and that's, what this, that's what this scripture is saying here. It's like, Hop in that hot water or, or, or get in that cool stream, man. If not, you're just going to be tasting something, experiencing something that's lukewarm, and I, I can't have it, right? If you're going to truly live out following Jesus and truly being his disciple, you must make him your source and not somebody else. I'm grateful for mentors and theologians and prayer warriors and, and, and tapes on whatever. And that's all great, and I'm always going to use it. I'm always going to go to it. But first and foremost, you must go to the, the source. Jesus is simply saying he wants always to be our direct source. There's this Jewish phrase that's often used in in place of the term disciple. And it's this phrase, and that is covered in the dust of the rabbi. This idea that you, you walk so close behind him that the dust, right, kicks up off of his robe and it gets on you. Like what a beautiful picture, staying close to Jesus, our King. Really, for us, that has everything to do with spending time with him. And spending time in his word, in worship like we're doing tonight, in prayer, in closeness, in, 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 in reading his word together, in community, and talking about him. And, you know, Jesus and his word are the same. I'm reminded in John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. You see, Jesus lived out all of scripture with total perfection. So when you read those red letters, you are literally almost hearing him speaking them to you because the word became flesh. It's his voice. So you rest assured, rest assured that you're hearing from God when you read his words. The question is, is he your number one source? John chapter 17, right before Jesus is arrested, he's, he takes some time and he prays for his disciples. You remember this? It's incredible. He's about to be executed tortured before that he takes time and, and, and prays for his disciples. And I was reading it again this morning, verse 
chapter 17, verse 15, he's praying these words to his father. This is what he says. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them, meaning his disciples. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them. Sanctify. Under, underline that word. Sanctify them. Make them holy. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Not just the written word. He's, he's saying, your son. He's almost talking in the third person here. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. I love that. And that's really the final area that I want to talk about. The band can come back. The final area of focused. You see, first it's surrendering. It's surrendering all that you are. And then it's truly making him your source. But this third one is the sanctification. This word literally means set apart. It's really the process of becoming more like Jesus. It's the act of living out holiness. Paul, Paul calls it the pursuit. So many times in the epistles, he calls it the pursuit of holiness. It's us doing our part. We talked about this on Sunday. We have skin in the game too, right? It's this process of, this, of, of sanctification. Now look what it says in verse 20 of the same chapter. My prayer is not for them, meaning the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. What message are we talking about here? The message that we're talking about here is their lives. The, the, the fact that they're beginning to look more like Jesus. So I, I want them to talk about this, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Here's the thing. Sanctification is this process of slowly looking more like Jesus. And let me say this one more time. It's simply that. It's a process. It's a journey and we are all on a different one. This is where we can get mixed up as followers of Jesus. Man, Sarah is just looking more like Jesus faster than me. I must be doing something wrong. She's here on first Wednesday. I couldn't make it to the last ones. That made me feel really bad. And, you know, she's in a women's small group and, does her devos every night and man she's got the perfect life and what's wrong with me I love Jesus and we start doing that thing right and we get down on ourselves but here's the thing about following Jesus and this process of sanctification it is a process it is a journey and we are all on different journeys looking more and more like Jesus every day and let me give you let me um, help you give a little have a little sigh of relief that's okay like, you can exhale. We're all at different paces on this journey. And no one's better than the other person based on where they're at in their own. You see what I'm saying here? I, um, I'll end with this little story. But uh, this 
this past uh, August, me and a group of guys summited Mount Rainier. Um, and I'm not saying that to be to get you to plot or anything. I'm just trying to give you some context of where I'm going here. Um, but it literally the hardest physical thing I've ever done in my life. And I'll never do it again. And if you ask and say, do you think I should do it? I'm going to say, don't do it. It's, it's really hard. And uh, so this, this guide that we were with uh, made us start training almost a year and a half out. And so we did these different workouts for you had to climb several different mountains before you could do that. Just a whole process, which I'll never do again. Um, did I make that clear? <laughs> We're not starting a climbing ministry. You guys can. I'm not going to be a part of that one, okay? Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was thinking about the first time that uh, we climbed a Camp Muir. Now, if you know anything about Mount Rainier, Camp Muir is, is base camp for the summit and it sits just about 10,000 feet and uh, it's a grind I mean you go over these they call it the snow field it, it might as well just call it like the Sahara Desert you know what I mean it's like it just never ends right and it's really deceiving because you it's like you'll be grinding it out for like an hour and a half and you'll look up and you're like I haven't moved 10 feet it's really it plays with your mind so I'll never forget, we start out on it, and we're like two hours in on the snow. You know, it was a summer day, so like the sun's coming off, and you're just like blinded. And I got to a place where I'd look up, and it was like, I'm not gaining. I'm not going anywhere. So I start, I start, play, start playing this little game called, I made it up. It's called 100 Steps. And what 100 Steps is, is you would, I would take 100 steps, and then I'd get like a 15 or 20 second breather. But I couldn't look up until I was done with the 100. So I'd get and then like this, right? And I could take a breather for like 30 seconds and then I'm off. So you were always like, I'm 81, 80. So you were like really excited to get to 100. And you would end up doing this for like four straight hours. You know what I mean? And then what I would do is I would see like little rocks and stuff just to kind of encourage myself that I was getting closer and closer. Well, I was probably two hours into it and this dude just comes cruising by me. And he's just like, he's like, you know, like, and I'm like, how, how are you doing this? And he's just, I mean, he's flying, right? And I was like, oh my word, oh man, I suck. You know, I'm not as good as that guy. I'm never gonna be, you know what I mean? And so back to one, two, three, four, five. You know what's crazy? Is it like two hours into that? No joke. I get 81, 82, 95, 96, 97, 98. And I look up and the dude who had crushed it by me and was like way up ahead, I look up and he's right with me. Like we're in pace together. I look over and I'm like, oh my word. He's like, oh, he's sucking eggs, man. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm like, I'm right with this guy. You know what's pretty cool? Is that for like the next 20 minutes to the top, he was, he was right there with me the entire time. And we got to Camp Muir and kind of high-fived each other. And I, I looked at him and I said, bro, I thought you were just going to crush it all the way. I thought you were, you were running. And he was like, bro, I, you know, I got a quick start. Man, I had to slow down a little bit. And it, and it just kind of, I, I thought about that even when I was looking over my notes this afternoon. I thought to myself, man, it's not, 
That's a lot like our, our spiritual walk, our journey. So many times where, man, someone's passing us by and we get frustrated. And at the end of the day, it's you waking up tomorrow, putting your foot down on the bed, just saying one, two, three. And it, it's just, it's just, here's the word, consistency. You know the scriptures say that he is the same what? He, he is the most constant thing there is. He doesn't get too hot or too, he doesn't outpace you. And, and, and like what a perfect example of just following him, just waking up every day. You're going to have to take a breather from time to time for whatever's going on in your life. Just say, Lord, I need some, I need some help. I'm pushing forward, but man, I just got to stop. I'm like, I, I need you to help me here. And then, all right, now here we go, son. Just go. And there's going to be times where people are cruising by you and they just got their MDiv and Fuller and all this other stuff. And, or at Faith Seminary. and you're, you're, Forget all that stuff, man. He has a specific plan for you and it's part of being his disciple. So tonight I just want to encourage someone in that. Because the very fact that, you know, this Wednesday night thing is different than Sundays, man. Everyone comes to Sundays. To come out midweek like this tells me that you want more of him and you truly want to follow him. And these are just a couple steps that will just help you. I would say most of you are probably already living these out. I needed this today. I needed this day. I'll keep waiting for that call from bottom. I don't think it's going to happen. Aren't you grateful that he's calling us? He's calling you to be the front man in his band. He loves you tonight. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.